Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every Nars? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon. Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest, a good friend of ours, Mr. John King. How are you doing this evening? I'm well, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Doing well, Brent. Okay. Doing all right? Oh, yeah. I just got back from Kroger. Um, Oh, yeah. How did. How did. How did grocery pick? Oh, man, I, I saved so much money by them not having most of what I wanted. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. become my, my, like, my way of saving money these days is go to the store wanting things right. and come home without it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, all right, You're finally. not impulse buying because you've already planned it and bought it beforehand. Well, sometimes you can like pick your own thing or whatever, but I do the pickup. And, uh, okay. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, when you just pick it up, they get what you get or you can get a substitute and whatever but i yeah, really I, so when you yeah, so when you because i've never done that at the at the grocery store so when you go to pick it up are they just like yo sorry we didn't have any green pepper so you just get nothing like we just didn't no. give you that um about well, an hour before you get a text right john is that what you do well today i didn't uh, but <laughs> normally i do and uh, this is not an indictment of kroger times are hard but um these things are uh it's just sort of part of the deal is you, if you're not going to get out of your car and go into the store, you kind of get what you get. And if you, you can, you can click a box that says, you tick the box that says, I'll take a substitute on this. And then they, I'm sure they have like a list of, you know, predetermined substitutes if something's out. Yeah. Um, but I have found a way to game them. <laughs> to game? What's that? I, I found yeah. a way to get, if you only buy like Kroger brand stuff, uh-huh. the yeah. substitute will be a name brand. Okay. And then you get you get you only get charged the Kroger brand price, right? You're damn right. So <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. I knew that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. You can't do it on everything, but I, I do it sometimes. And it all even kinda evens out in the end because one time I like I was into scallops. Right? Sea scallops. So I was but like, I'm gonna order some frozen ski scallops. uh ski Brent's uh, scallop sea scallops. Sea scallops. <laughs> and you know what they substituted they, they substituted uh, I've never even heard of this. Salad shrimp. Okay. You know what a salad shrimp is? Are they it's just... a shrimp that is like a, the size of a penny. Okay. They're creepy. Did, so like did it looks you, like you're eating bugs. Did you have to approve that substitution? 
I probably did. That's my bad. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. My I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, laying blame. I was just curious. No, 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 no. You leave a good point with the with the Kroger pickup. You you get you approve substitutions, and and sometimes your finger can get a little trigger happy. Uh huh. Especially like if you're just a real life, you know, like in the toilet paper shortage wars. <laughs> Up to, you know, you just said, you know, next, well, next, that, substitution, next substitution. I mean, you're, you're buying your groceries with your phone. You're clearly not, you know, thinking a lot. You're just pushing buttons. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> we are gorillas then, pushing buttons at this point. Did you ever do the, the delivery? Now, the delivery is another story because that's like weirder because that's like that's like one rung down from grocery pickup with grocery pickup. You have like employees going to grab these things. They know what to substitute, but with like a delivery person, you have just anybody, anybody in the area going and touching your produce. Really? Yeah. I've had this one person and, and she, and we we would get delivery a few different times and, and, and she would like deliver all of our produce, but like without putting it in the bag. Okay. Yeah. So just like arrive in the in the dirty Kroger bag. You just like pictured in your brain like the orange just like rolling on the conveyor belt. Right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> or it's always you know I, I hate when people bag because I've had people where they'll bag raw meat with like edible with like fruits or vegetables or like put it in the same bag. Yeah. You know, and I've got the I've got the meat in its own bag and the pro- but still you don't because I, I you know I worked in as a manager and, 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 and kitchen manager in restaurants for years. And you don't like, you don't put, you know, you don't do that cross contamination where you're going to have the raw meat in the same bag as, as ready to eat food. And so when, when things get bagged like that, I'm always like, no, that's don't do that. You know, <laughs> you try it when you unload your cart though, do you put it, I like to unload just meats and then something like canned goods and then just like just the produce. Yeah. That's how I usually do it. it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put like the heavier stuff first, the cans and stuff, and then the produce, and then yeah, I try to I, I put it separately on the conveyor belt, but but sometimes you know they just like put it, and then I'll rebag it right there, you know, and then there, I've had people be like, oh, is that was there a problem? And I was like, yeah, you fucking you put my strawberries in with my fucking beef, asshole. You know? <laughs> not like that. No, I don't say you know. I'm just like ah, I'm just putting it in a different bag so it's not in here with the raw meat. That's all, you know. Yeah. It's a little less. It's, it's a little more passive aggressive. A little less, I guess, aggressive. Right. Yeah. Just you know. And like, do you have a Kroger card? You can you just hand them a piece of paper that says "fuck you"? <laughs> you Here's... take out your Kroger shoppers card. I'm a member. Like you're, <laughs> okay. I'm a card carrying Kroger member. Yeah. Do you know what <laughs> I had to do to get this card? <laughs> I had to write down information on a sheet of paper. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, I feel like this is a new podcast. We, we, do, do you want to start the podcast over? I don't. Know. No, no. <laughs> no I is... think we could have our own. We could have a Kroger and like themed podcast. Yeah, this podcast yeah. is no longer about right. movies. It's not. It's just grocery tips. That's yeah, <laughs> grocery tips. Because, grocery. Right? Do you have Kroger I mean, in Chicago? I have a few. What's that? Is Kroger in Chicago? Surely. Um, no. we, I know we have Mariano's up here, which was bought by Kroger. I think, oh, okay. I think there are. Kroger's up here somewhere, not near me. I usually go to Meyer. There's a Meyer not too far from me that I tend to go to. Meyer's nice. And then I, I worked for Meyer for many years. I oh, tell you some stories. <laughs> good, good. How was it? Uh, it. I worked my way through college. They are. Um, They're legit. In, in in the scheme of companies that you could work for and you know 
pay basically all your bills through college. Um, I think I lucked out. Nice. Um, I, met, I met some amazing people. I worked for some amazing, I'm still in touch with, gosh, probably 20 or 30 people that I, just on Facebook and stuff. Right. But, yeah. uh, it's a good number of people that I just kind of kept in touch with over the years. I've got some, um, I mean, at one point, my whole house worked at Meyer uh, in college. Oh, nice. All of us got a job there. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, there were, it you know, seems like that, like any grocery store, it just seems like, like the people there, like really know each other. Like, you know, like if I'm getting, if I'm checking out the cashier, like knows the bagger and they're like talking, if they're high school kids, they're like talking about high school or something yeah. like that. It just seems like fun. <laughs> yeah. It was, I think it was better for me. I, I, sometimes I wonder if I built a different character by working in restaurants, but I never did. Yeah. And, you know, having worked in grocery stores, I worked in four, five or six of them. I don't remember how many. Oh, wow. There were several of them from like age 17 to, I was, geez, 24, 25 when I finished school. Um, cause it took me a while. Um, and I just, I, I met great people and I, you know, it's retail. So you're going to run into your share of people that are just sociopaths with a checkbook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and it's the... like, if you wanted a job that's just like, I don't, I want to be left alone. I want to do like my own thing. Like you could probably get it, be, be like a stock person and just like wear headphones and just like work. Uh, yeah. uh yes. And yeah. <laughs> The bulk of 1995, okay. no, 96, the bulk of 1996, I spent working in the frozen food department. Nice. Uh, on third shift of the overnights. <laughs> you know, I, I did that when, when I moved up here to the Chicago area. Uh, that w I did that for about six months, maybe less at a Mariano's did like overnight stocking. And it was just, it was just. I was just always it, it was exhausting and for some, their their quotas were real crazy like it, they they always wanted like more food put away than was possible and we were all like stocking the shelves and every morning they'd be like oh you guys didn't get it done this is a problem we're like motherfucker I like I don't know what you want me to do like I can only put so many cans on a shelf at a time like I got two hands you know I found ways um to <laughs> like hide things i would I, you know you put stuff under something else to make it look like it's fuller uh -huh. uh, we had these open uh, at the time we had these open freezer cases they didn't have didn't have lids or anything it was just like an open we called it right. coffins it's mm -hmm. just like an open bay and i don't know how they stayed cold but they stayed stuff stayed frozen in there but you could only fill it up to a certain line and then they couldn't stay frozen right and i would go right above that line every time <laughs> and you could feel that the, just the tops were like a little maybe not all the way frozen um but by nine o'clock in the morning stuff's gone right so, people are taking you know, it anyway so, yeah. so do, do they let you do you still get go back sometimes and get to ride the the free pony at meyer my kid does uh and he loves it even well actually he might be too old for it now he's seven now but i remember he just just loved the thing and every time we went we had i'd have a penny and i don't ever have a penny in my pocket like, right so i had to like fish a penny out of the car and take him in there. I think that's wonderful. They're, they're, this is going to sound like an advertisement for Meyer and an indictment of Kroger. It's not really that. It's you got to buy your food somewhere. Right. And, yeah. Um, and the thing is, is like all these places have their own, uh, their own ups and downs. But my experience working for Meyer was overall, um, overall pretty good. I'd say about 82% good. That's, that's good. That's not bad. Yeah. The other eighteen yeah. percent was I got yelled at sometimes. <laughs> right. Oh, you'll have that. And there, were, there were a couple. There were a couple days. Let's. Yeah. 
<laughs> Man, I went to I went I I got some uh, just did a little grocery run to uh, the Jewel Osco we have here down the road, and it's the Jewels I believe it's just it's the Jewels the Jewels yes the Jewels up here and and they you know because I've I've been to my impression of the Jewels was that they're not necessarily as nice as other grocery stores you know uh, but a couple of them up here are are quite nice indeed. You know, is it like an Aldi's then? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, no, it's not an Aldi. Um, it's a, more like a Whole Foods. Mm. I, I don't. I, I can't tell by your like language, if, like where. Yeah, it used. You know if, what? If Meyer is like one way, like what's higher or lower than Meyer? Yeah, I would compare it to like the Jewel Osco near me is like comparable to like I would think of a Kroger being the same way. It's kind of like a Kroger, but. But I, but in my mind, the ones I've been to in the past, they were like maybe a, uh, I don't know, like a not great Walmart food section, if that makes sense. I don't know, like a small, like a Walmart with a small grocery section, you know. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. Uh, sure. I went in there, and the kid who was like ringing me up and bagging my food, I was like, "Hey, man, you know how's it going? How are you doing? How's your day?" And he was like, uh, "He was like, oh man." I can't wait to get out of here. This is my last shift. I was like, "Oh yeah, you're uh, you're you're done here." He's like, "Yeah, I can't wait to get out." And I was like, "Oh, that's uh, all right, man." I was like, "We well, got another job lined up. You're going somewhere else?" And he was like, "Hell yeah, man! I'm getting out of here. They they pay me shit here. I got another job lined up, paying like fourteen dollars an hour. Fucking five more hours and I'm done." I was like, "Oh, c- congrats, man! I I'm happy for you." <laughs> you know. <laughs> I wonder what he's doing now. This is a different grocery store. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know, but he was. Uh, they had. Uh, he was just talking about how busy they were over the holidays and how much he had to work and how little he got paid. Yeah. And and I was like, well, yeah, you do you, man. Fucking take care of yourself. Go. You've got a better opportunity. Go grab it. You know. Yep. Exactly. Well, that's what I did. That's why I do what I do now, and I don't still do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I, I mean, I've got still got some friends that became like management there, and they make better money than I do. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna talk shit. It's, you can do really well if you land in the right place in retail, and it consumes your life, and you work seventy hours a week. But right. Yeah. Yeah. But you can live. <laughs> but, but you can live. But you can live. <laughs> so and you get all the free salad shrimp you can ever want. <laughs> Oh yeah, pocket. You just gotta sneak it out, <laughs> dude. Uh, being a butcher, imagine being a butcher, dude. I mean, how, how much like free like awesome cuts of meat would you get? Yeah, oh, for years. years. Um, there was a place in. Um, do you guys know Bruges and Broderpool? No, I don't know if it's still there. But I don't know if um, I do. There was it was sort of like a Belgian. You get like a huge cone of fries and stuff like that. Um, they had a. I want to say the hanger steak was, was something they had there, which was this sort of weird looking cut of meat, but it's sort of like the favorite of butchers. Like they know the animal and they know where the best cuts are, but they also know because it's got to sit in a case, people are going to buy the most attractive looking thing based on what they find interesting or attractive or whatever, I guess. Right. And so the hanger steak is just this really ugly cut of meat, but it's actually really good. Um, and it's lean and, um, yeah, they so they had this hanger steak there for a while. I keep, I think it's hanger steak. I'm gonna have to Google this. We can put a put a link in the comments or something. I don't know, but <laughs> um, but it ended up being like this thing. Like you go to the store and you, you ask for it, and a lot of times they don't even know what you're talking about because they don't have it at, at you know your 
your Kroger, your Meyer, or whatever. Right. Unless they have like a butcher on site that knows, or you go to like a meat market, they're going to know exactly what what you're looking for. Right. Um, anyway, so that's it's the upper belly of the animal. Oh, is the, the hanger snake. Oh yeah. I thought so, yeah, I thought that butchers would often keep it for themselves rather than offer it for sale. Yeah. Well, oh. the butcher steak. Whoa. Really. You're right. Yeah, man. Hmm. So if you go to um, uh, what I don't know, Brent, you're still in Indy. Yeah. Right. Corey's yep. not. Um, if you go to uh, what's the, whatever that meat market is on Illinois, there, Illinois and like Westfield Boulevard, I can't remember the name of it. Mm. Um, they're they're bound to have it. Um, nice. it might cost you though. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been grocery tips. Uh, join us next week <laughs> when we <laughs> when we talk about the perfect way to to snap your fresh green beans. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah, I got tips on that too. Yeah. Kitchen cheers, of course. Uh, okay. obviously prince of darkness prince of darkness 1987 and this i gotta say john last time you were here we did the first movie in john carpenter's apocalypse trilogy the thing and now we you did? brought us the second movie in john carpenter's apocalypse trilogy i was uh, extra excited to talk to you because of when i realized that that's what you did i didn't mean to do that but i have done it yeah you, and... you didn't mean to do that I didn't really mean to do it, but I, I, oh, yeah. I did watch it recently, nice. and uh, uh, I don't know. I just felt like I looked at the, you know, of course, the list of movies that the experts have come in and chosen, and it's dwindling as the weeks go on. And um, I don't know. I was just why not stay with Carpenter? And yeah, come. I guess I just realized it's the second film. The third one is In the Mouth of Madness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah wow, I didn't realize that this one has. This one has Alice Cooper in it. I, I saw that, which I was okay. not expecting. That guy looked so familiar to me, and it took me... I was a little ways into the movie before I realized... I was like, is that fucking Alex, Alice Cooper? And then, and then yeah. I, of course it is, you know, but... He, oh, yeah, there's... He originally came to Carpenter because he was scouting uh, for stunts to do at his show. He, want, he wanted to look at it. He, he was like, can I just look at you do, like, some movie magic? And Carpenter was like, "Dude, I'll put you in the movie if you want. If I oh, if I can have your um, impale someone with a mic stand bit." Mm-hmm. Alice Cooper would impale someone on stage, and that that evolved to to the bike thing. Yeah, the bike thing where he uh, he impales the guy in the alley um, behind yeah. the church, around the church. The yeah. guy that is impaled, if I'm one of, I think is. He's sort of a character actor that was in a lot of different things in the 80s, and he always played kind of a nerdy, nebbishy kind of guy. Um, the thing that I remember him most from is the TV show Riptide, which came on after the A-Team in the early 80s. If you're of a certain age and you remember that era of TV, um, there was this show that ran for, I, I, I don't know, I think it was a season or maybe more, maybe two or three for all I know. So um, what happens to the guy? How does that guy die? In, in Prince of Darkness? Yeah. He's, he leaves the church for the night i think he's going home or he's going out to get some i don't know what he's doing but he leaves the church for some reason yeah. and this is when things start to go a little a little kooky outside the homeless people are starting to sort of gather around this dilapidated church and um, alice cooper is sort of their de facto leader or at least he's the one that's most recognizable so he gets the most camera time right and he starts walking down this this kind of thin alley between the church and there's this like a like a brick wall or something there. I don't know. And Alice Cooper picks up this 
busted bike. Right, it's like and, half a bike. <laughs> yeah, it like sticks him with it. Yeah. Um, yeah that makes me think of a new reality show. Alice Cooper tricks your bike. The cast for this thing, uh, every time I watch it, I notice something else. And, and of course, you got Donald Pleasance is, is the main guy. And you got uh, Jameson Parker, who was on another 80s show, Simon and Simon. Okay. Uh, Okay. He played one of the Simon brothers. I don't remember which one. <laughs> um, I think it was Simon. AJ. AJ Simon was okay. his character. Um, and then also over here on the uh, on the on the side there by Donald Pleasance, I'm showing a, a this is audio, but I'm showing a visual. By the uh, way, so we're we're yeah, looking so, at a Blu-ray, a wonderful uh, Blu-ray edition that John is holding up of Prince. Yeah, this is the, it's great art on the front of the DVD. It's, it's really yeah, this cool. is the Scream Factory edition. If you get the Scream Factory edition, it comes with like reversible art, and you get like inside. Um, you get like the original home movie oh, nice. art that you can flip around, and then there's the Scream Factory commissioned art that came later. So nice, and it, cool it, actually, it comes with a little vial of the Antichrist you can like wear yeah. on your neck. Yeah, you get your own, <laughs> you get your own Antichrist juice with it. Um, <laughs> it's got a warning sign on not to drink it though, <laughs> right? Happen, but... For obvious reasons. That's why the Catholics are so much better, man. You can drink their their Christ juice. <laughs> <laughs> antichrist juice you can't drink yeah don't you drink the drink antichrist christ juice is fine to drink but no yeah you don't want to drink the antichrist juice it's delicious I'm, I'm right it's, it's sort of like it's expired you, you don't want to have right you want to have the, the fresh I'm, I'm still on perishables from grocery days right <laughs> right you gotta you gotta do fifo order first in first out you put the you pull the oldest christ blood to the front yeah oh yeah, you gotta rotate yeah yeah, yeah. rotation <laughs> But no, I've never heard of it. The, the FIFO. That's, I like that. FIFO, first in, first, first out. In, first out. I dig it. Yeah, yeah. cool man. Yeah, I restaurant, restaurant lingo. So yeah, nice. <laughs> but uh, but oh. no, I I like and and uh, I was also a couple other actors I recognize because I. It's hard to say like what what my favorite John Carpenter movie is because he's done so much great stuff. But but I would like. Probably Big Trouble in Little China would be. I mean, that's the one that I would probably go back to the most. That's, I you know I think about that one a lot. Um, and then you know the Victor Wong Professor Byrak, you know who yeah I re yeah I recognize him. Who's also a, a formative memory for me of, or a formative thing was watching Three Ninjas a lot when I was a kid, and he was the grandfather in the that's three right. the, oh, the Three Ninjas movies. All four of them. He was in all four Three Ninjas movies. Uh, I want to say he was also the he was also the, the shop owner in Tremors. Oh, nice, nice. I want to say that's him. He's Is really he also the shop owner in Gremlins? Wow, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's a good shop owner. He's. <laughs> he is a good. He's, he kind of typecast himself. He's, yeah. Can I say something about Victor Wong? Yeah. Sure. He, his facial hair, it makes absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> it's like all sticky outy, right? Okay, yeah, okay. So, so do you know do you know how parents pass on their physical traits to their children, right? Yeah, through sex. Like a kid looks like their parent. Yeah. So like the genome of Victor's ball sack 3D mapped his face. I just know it did. So so like let's say like he swabbed his cheek right now. Uh -huh. If he swabbed his cheek right now tomorrow, we 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 would learn about a lab like exploding somewhere, right? Right? Yeah. Like 23 and me, that's just a body count of what he would do. Jesus. <laughs> he was not in Gremlins. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> However, he was in The Golden Child. And uh, let's see what else. Of course, Tremors. And he's also The Last Emperor. So, like, he's got some legit, um, not just, like, cult classic movies, but, like, stuff that won a big, won big awards and got, you know, the Criterion treatment and all that stuff. Yeah. In addition to, like, all the three ninja movies. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that guy's great. And then also uh, Dennis Dunn. Walter from yeah. Big Trouble in Little China too, the the young guy who get the guy who gets trapped in the closet at one point. Yeah, <laughs> love that guy. He has to like it's claw his way through. I can only wall. see him. I can only see him as in Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, thinking like this dude knows martial arts. Like, like why isn't he like busting through the door? <laughs> right. Why isn't he kicking <laughs> like, everybody? I'm like, ass? oh, it's not that character. He's this weird misogynist guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. There is some casual misogyny in the movie, um, and there's a little bit of like, uh, sort of creeper, um, not just the creepy people outside the church, but the way the men seem to talk to the women in the movie. It seems to be very, um, yeah. just condescending and just I don't know. I, yeah. As I watched it, I cringed a lot. Yeah. The, well, and there was especially early on, like you've got the kind of the main couple, Brian and Catherine, the characters. And, like, when they they first start, like, getting to know each other, I think they're sitting on a park bench or something, and he says something. I forget what exactly he says, but it's, like, it's it's sexist. And she's, like, but she reacts badly to it. She's, like, oh, yo, that's sexist. He's, like, yeah, that's me, a confirmed sexist. But, hey, come on. It's just a joke. What are you getting all, what are you clamming up for? And I'm, like, oh, buddy, Ugh, this is this is rough. But then, but then, obviously, like, she's, like, well, okay, no, I'll sleep with you. It's okay. <laughs> Because that's yeah, how that works. The next scene, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so she, um, I, I meant to point out a, a few minutes ago, she was in. She ended up Lisa Blount or Blunt. I can never remember how to pronounce her last name. Um, the late Lisa Blount or Blunt mm-hmm. uh, was married to another character actor, Ray McKinnon. Okay. Who you might know from, like Troy McClure. You might know him from. Uh, <laughs> He was in, uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but uh, he was in Deadwood. He played the preacher who had the, the brain tumor. Um, he and was having strokes. Uh, he played a, um, I want to say he played a federal agent in Sons of Anarchy. Okay. Uh, and he also, you, you might also have caught him in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He's the guy that does the fisticuffs in the Woolworth. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. And, and knocks George Clooney out the door. <laughs> That was yeah. her husband for many years, and um, she had—I uh, don't remember what, what, what particularly she was. She, she passed away young, and uh, she had a long illness. And um, so, yeah, I happened to notice that. It, 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 she ends up being a really pivotal character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, and see, with see, not for her actions, a lot of this movie goes way differently. Right. Yeah, and potentially, depending on how you want to interpret the end of the movie, possibly saves the day at the end. Maybe. <laughs> yeah she, she either saves it or it gets a lot worse yeah she, uh, that's who, she like sacrifices herself doesn't she yeah she's yeah she's the one that like dives grabs kelly and like jumps into the mirror with her yeah and then donald pleasant smashes it yeah. <laughs> that's like, it says something in latin and awesome. a fire axe. yeah <laughs> that guy arrives in a limousine and he is like not like corrupt. He just arrives in a limousine and then like is then like interpreting shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that too when I rewatched it. So why is he getting out of a limousine? What? 
<laughs> that is an odd choice. That is an, especially since they made this on such a small budget, and yeah, you really have to wonder like why, what, what, why? He could have pulled up in anything on a small budget. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, and it would have made just, sense. Just like open the scene and he's just standing there in front of the building. Right. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, that's why. That is weird. What an odd choice. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. They wasted like a lot of money. Maybe though. Maybe that like that limo that limo picked up. Maybe that picked up Victor like that morning. <laughs> well, maybe and like and like and like there's like on on like the priest's robes. There's still like Victor's like like facial hair, like whiskers. <laughs> like they, they didn't have like proper like you know like linty roller. Technology. Right, not at the time. <laughs> you know, actually, what might be more likely is I wonder if like maybe Alice Cooper demanded that he get a limo ride to the set, That's and then it. and then they're like. Well, we already paid for this fucking limo. Like, we got, we got, we get, I don't know, fucking put, it. put Donald Pleasance in it. We'll fucking, we'll shoot it, whatever. Have him drive around the block real quick with Donald Pleasance and pull up. We'll get a shot. Yeah, get our, get our money's worth. It'll make more sense than having, you know, Alice Cooper's character get out of a limo. Right, so, yeah. Which, which would make no sense. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I like at, at the beginning of the movie when. Unless it was like half a limousine. <laughs> And then he, he tries to stab somebody with it, and it's just, it just doesn't. Sorry. <laughs> Limpaling him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, jeez. <laughs> but, but no, I like, I like the the lesson that Professor Byrak is giving at the beginning, and he's he said all kinds of cool shit, and, and I like, you know, I read a little bit afterwards about how John Carpenter was trying to marry like religion with science and create something like ultimately scary with a lot of the, you know, science that was new and groundbreaking at the time. But, uh, I, but I like one of the things he said where he was, he was like, uh, at the subatomic level, logic collapses into ghosts and shadows. I was like, Oh fuck, that's heavy, dude. I was like, that's hardcore professor Byrack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, you could probably draw a thread from from that to uh, to Ant Man or something. The stuff that Ant Man's doing, where right. uh, there's no where time has no meaning and you know things are um, you know kind of all over the place. Time doesn't. It's not that it doesn't have any meaning. It just means something different. Right. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot in his speech that really jumps out. And he's got a few of those speeches in the film that he he has these sort of ominous lines that. He's just there in some ways to kind of creep us out a little more. Right. <laughs> Creeping like us out that. with I science. Love characters like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were on, on our last episode that we recorded, um, we were talk we did the creature from the Black Lagoon. And nice. we actually ended up talking about uh, Marvel, the MCU, and everything they're doing with the multiverse right now. And because ca- we were, we got to talking about how the the creature from the Black Lagoon there was a lot of science speak about at least at that time, what their understanding of evolution was. And it felt a lot like they were almost educating the audience and, 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 you know, movies are so ubiquitous that especially big movies that get famous and everybody sees it. You know, we were talking about how teach the audience a lesson in order to show them the story about it. Right. 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 So, yeah, we were just talking about how, like, the general, like, public knowledge and understanding of science, like, how mainstream movies affect that. And, and we we're kind of talking about the them talking about evolution in 
the creature from the Black Lagoon, Black Lagoon and kind of everything Marvel has done with the multiverse in the last year or two, which, like, two years ago, if you if you started talking about the multiverse to the average American, they would be like, oh, 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 oh. zero idea what you're talking about. I, I could not have less of a frame of reference for whatever the fuck it is you're talking about right now. But now, January of, you know, 2022, people, it may not be a, you know, it may be grounded more in Spider-Man than science, but they at least have like a general comprehension of, of you know, what you're talking about when you talk about a multiverse, you know? Yeah. But John, and, and Corey can edit this out because we've already talked about it in, the, <laughs> in that episode, but in The Creature from the Black Lagoon, they use like an idiot character mm. to help explain things. So there's like yeah. a scientist, and then there's like boat captain who's like, so what does it mean for carbon dating? <laughs> what is this? And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, well, like, well, well you stupid boat captain. <laughs> yeah, I... So in the screenwriting classes that I teach, I, I talk about those characters. And I don't think I've coined a phrase here or anything, but I I, I tend to refer to them as window characters because, mm. uh, or they're or they're avatars for the audience, because you need somebody in on the, the screen who's going to ask the questions that the audience is going to need to know the answers to. Yeah. So you'll get a character like yes. that asking really obvious what is carbon dating or, or whatever. The, the one of the best slash worst examples that I've found is is um, the Da Vinci Code. No. Uh, and uh, John Oliver just tore the Da Vinci Code up like, last past week with like an eight minute rant about it for <laughs> some reason. He decided to rant about the Da Vinci Code. Um, okay. And it, it brought back a lot of memories of that film and of just watching it and, and expecting, I don't know what the hell I was expecting, but I, as I was watching it, it just annoyed the hell out of me that everybody was asking Tom Hanks questions and he was explaining. He spent the whole movie answering questions, it seemed. Right. And and it yeah. was because the, the, the mystery was so... Uh, I don't know, just so convoluted right. and built on all these clues and built in, you know, this history and so on and conspiracy stuff that if you don't have somebody like Tom Hanks explaining to the audience through characters, right? we're, we're not going to be able to follow anything that's going on here. And yeah. so, you know, yeah. go back to Creature from the Black Lagoon era. What is it? The, the, the date of that. I don't remember. It, it was ring a bell, but it's 50, post-atomic, isn't it? 56. I think it was 56. Yeah, okay. So you're Is looking at... Post-atomic? Post-atomic. Yeah, post-World War That's II. That's awesome. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, well, you just kind of think like... Am, oh, I, am I the book captain now? What do you mean, post-atomic? <laughs> well, well, awesome. yeah. well, Captain, yeah. captain Lucas. <laughs> I, like, well, you know, the, 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 I want to say the Dracula movies were in the 30s. Yeah. Okay. That sounds um, right. Frankenstein was in the 30s, but then you start looking at the other Universal monster movies, and they start trending later. And the monsters, um, things like start getting too. a little more. Like the Creature of the Black Lagoon, I think, comes later because um, maybe because they were running out of steam with the other franchises. I don't know, but yeah. Uh, but I, I think that when you, I, I mentioned the atomic thing because I just watched Godzilla. Okay. Yeah. Recently, and um, and Godzilla is a whole franchise that grew out of the atomic age and it was japan's response to that and being being nuked or, yeah yeah um well, actually, and, also, I, I, and, it, and it put a different spin on horror films from that point forward because you started seeing more um more science fiction horror after yeah. and it wasn't the supernatural so much as you were seeing things like it came from outer space and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the alien invasion type stuff mm-hmm. along with you know, things that we had done to ourselves through science. Right. Um, 
Well, and, and yeah. I, I read something. It's been it's been quite a while ago that I read this, but I thought it was really interesting. They were talking about how obviously the atomic age affected everybody in every country and influenced art, you know, and creativity. But but this article I was reading was talking about how because Japan is the only company that or the sorry, the only country that actually had nukes dropped on it, how it, it influenced their you know, anime for one thing, but, but their movies and you get Godzilla and stuff like that to such a degree that, I mean, you know, in, in the U S plenty of, you know, there are plenty of American stories, books, movies that are post-apocalyptic, but so much of Japanese art is post-apocalyptic because to some extent they almost feel post-apocalyptic. Like it's almost not fiction. It's almost reality because they were actually, blown to hell you know yeah i think post-apocalyptic over there means something different because they were they were blown to hell um you know when you lose a war and it affects the course of your country's history on that scale and you spend the next you know 70 80 years building back up and responding to that and becoming a world power again um and then you end up you know being what you having the culture that they do have uh it's it's quite the it's almost like a comeback story yeah. <laughs> it is a comeback yeah. story, but, yeah. but then you look at, at post-apocalyptic stories in places like the UK or the US. Um, a couple of companies. Well, we really have to we have to create our own enemies from within. So we do things like zombie Holocaust films, and we we do um, we don't necessarily do external threat type movies. Although you'll see them, you'll see things like Independence Day, and you'll see things like you know the American version of Godzilla. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, had, um, I I read. I, I've I've rarely read books that are a series, and I'm sorry to to admit that. But there's this guy. Uh, I'll remember his name later. But um, it's called One Second After, and his books are all about an EMP attack on America, and like what happens, of course, like one second after is in the first book, and then it's a, it's a total survival series about just what happens if the electricity shuts off. Right. And he explains, and he has to be that the ship captain in the beginning, you know, explain just how easy it would be. It's just like, eh, just destroy the whole power grid in America. Yeah. It's very simple, you know, <laughs> this is like thing. <laughs> and, and just how, how that affects and, and it's, it's real fucked up because like the people with diabetes, they go very quickly because there's no like refrigerant for like insulin and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes you think, like, oh, wow, like, what did they do, like, pre-electricity? Uh, pre you know, these people just die. You're talking about William Forstchen? Yep. Forstner? Yep. Far yeah. Forstchen? Yeah, yeah, it's a weird last name. That's why I could I, I didn't want to say it, because I, I, I butcher it. I'd not yeah. heard it out loud before. William Forstchen? Far William Forstchen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but they're really good books. Yeah, huh. um, but it trends toward that. You know, the point I was making is that we, yes, we tend sorry. to create enemies from within, what? and you know, rather than picture somebody coming along and kicking our ass, uh, it's it's you're going to get your occasional Red Dawn, Independence Day kind right. of thing. Yeah, but typically, um, we we love ourselves some natural disaster movies. We yeah. love it when when like Mother Nature turns on us. That's and, true. Moonfall. Um, <laughs> Moonfall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's a new one coming out. <laughs> okay, never mind. Go ahead. Uh, we love ourselves some end of the world stuff where it's like an asteroid hitting. Yeah. Or, um, or but, it, but it's it's very rarely we got nuked. I think we, we it's been done. I mean, the day after, of course, yeah. it's pivotal. And, um, but but 
these are like very specific examples. Right. It's not a trend in like, you know, they don't have a subgenre of we got nuked movies like we have zombie Holocaust movies. Right. Yeah. They're the exception rather than the rule. That's, yeah. that's you know, I saw somebody the other day, I think it was a dude on, on, on TikTok. There's the scientist I see on there a lot, but he was talking about how, um, for the first time in human history that we're aware of asteroids and like, you know, having the potential to like cause the extinction event that, you know, that ended the dinosaurs and, you know, cause he was saying once we discovered that those were a thing and could potentially pose a problem ever since then, there's been this possibility that one of those could just like come along and hit us and wipe us out. Right. 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 Well, he was saying that, that the rate at which they're discovering new asteroids now and the fact that they're not really growing in size at all, they're not finding any that are any bigger than the biggest ones they found. He, he was like, with a probability of like 99.9 whatever percent, he was like, we can be fairly certain that there's no extinction level event threat from an asteroid within the next, you know, within at least our lifetime, you know. Because, I mean, isn't that like part of that's like that's very happy i'm glad that you said that (laughs) yeah you were worried before like like for us to travel like beyond our solar system don't we have to like travel through like asteroid belts that are like astronomical as far as like just on you cannot you cannot move a piece of matter through some of this shit that's surrounding us because like you would just get hit and die immediately yeah. The whole idea of like Star Trek is fun, but like you just couldn't like travel like throughout the galaxy. Like you would just like hit something and. Yeah. Well, I know there's what there, there's the asteroid belt in the middle of the of so, the solar system, and then there's I think outside the solar system it's the uh, the Oort the Oort cloud or whatever that the is. The Oort cloud, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how dense those are. I mean, really, I think the main the main obstacle to actual space travel and why i tend to view it as an escapist fantasy to ignore the fact that we're destroying our planet like i almost i love me some star trek i grew up on that i love utopian space travel human expansion stories but i i almost think they're harmful and that it perpetuates this like uh, tendency of humans to just like grow and devour resources and just like keep growing and be like, well, we fucked up this planet. We'll just like jump to other planets. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like what the uh, what, what humorists have been joking about lately is is like like the the, the most like famous the, the the most wealthy people of our world are trying to leave it. Right. Yeah. 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 In one joke, that's my joke. But you know, other. You know, <laughs> right. Well, and it's but the I mean the main obstacle uh, one of many is just that everything is so fucking far away i mean the distances between things are just are i mean it's like i you You can say astronomical (laughs) astronomical yeah i was like trying to find another way to say it but it's like it's like larger and actually oh i there's a website you can go to i don't know the name of it i don't know how to find it you could probably google it but it's like a uh to scale uh, version of the solar system and so you can start on the earth and then you side scroll you just like scroll your screen to the next planet to mars and you can go through the whole solar system that way but it takes fucking forever <laughs> like it it takes it takes forever to just scroll to mars <laughs> like 
because it's it's just so far away. It's wild. It takes months, right? Months to get there, wouldn't it? To to scroll or to to like fly there? No, to fly there. Yeah, something. Okay, Let's how, see. How long to fly to Mars? <laughs> what? How how did the Martian go? I don't remember. I want to say it's like years. It's not months. It, it takes three days to go to the moon. Yeah, okay. the moon's a lot closer. If only you had a mirror that you could travel through. <laughs> right. Like in the movie Prince of Darkness. Like in the movie Prince, Prince of Darkness. <laughs> if only you had a mirror. Uh, or if you had a, a cylindrical tube of green stuff that you could no, use. It looks it looks like it looks like the that c- cylinder, you know what it looks like in the Power Rangers when the Power Rangers talk to like Z- Zordon or whatever. What's the guy's name? Z- I think it's Zordon. Zordon. Z- Z- Zordon, yeah. Um, so Roger Ebert's review, I pulled it up. Um, it's he talks about the green stuff, and there's a line in it that I really liked, and uh, now I can't find the line. Um, there's uh, whirling in, around inside the glass tube like zucchini in a blender. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> oh. What what an evocative uh, description from Roger Ebert. That's yeah, hilarious. Ebert. Um, so here's my thing with Roger Ebert. I I loved reading Roger Ebert's reviews. Even when we didn't agree on things, he still would teach me something in his reviews. And I, I looked today and I didn't realize that it had been since 2013 since he passed away. And I'm just like, wow. what? And yeah. I just, um, he was so just influential to the way I think about film and the way I think about criticism and um, not just film criticism, but criticism in general. Um, I don't care what you're being a critic of. And he just had these... He's got books of his uh, his one or no star reviews. There was like the I hated this movie type <laughs> book. Uh, uh, a horrible experience of unbearable length is one of them. Uh, and and as I was reading it, of course, he gave Prince of Darkness two stars, and he said you know things like John Carpenter has done better. And um, I don't know if that's a direct quote, but um, he had his he had issues with the film. It had a lot to do with um, he wanted more. Um, it gets off to a really intriguing start, he says. Yeah. And the movie loses its way, and it's not just a battle between science and the supernatural. Uh, he says it's another one of those movies in which the bodies of the good guys are occupied by the evil force one after another until the final violent conclusion. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and when he talks about things like... He talks about the music being uh, apparently composed on a synthesizer that has also been possessed by the devil. Uh, <laughs> the music was cool. <laughs> the music was cool. Yeah, it really is. He arrives at this this conclusion that it's got, he says, it's got the ingredients for a much better movie. The notion that the characters were receiving radio transmissions from the future, he, he liked that. Yeah. And I, that's, to me, is, is something that, that uh, I still think is one of the coolest ideas in the whole film, is you can you can transmit from the future to dreams, uh, people's dreams in the past on sort of a... a subspace or whatever right well it was a, a tachyon a tachyon signal they said something to yeah, do with tachyon, tachyon. yeah yeah That's no i thought that science. was that was really cool and and i think what i read that they filmed it like they filmed that the dream sequence and then they like played it on a vcr on a tv and they filmed that and that's what's in the yeah. movie is like a recording of of that's a recording VHS. yeah yeah, that's cool. It, it looked like every MTV music video from the same era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of expect yeah, yeah somebody to walk out from the shadows, a member of Aha or somebody to be, to be there. Um, so on YouTube, you can find a compilation of all those dream sequences put 
in sequence, I guess, because you only get a little bit at a time. Yeah. It, it, really good storytelling. He shows you just a snippet of it in one person's dream, and then the next time you see it, it's a little more, and then a little more, until you finally see the anti-god standing in the doorway with his arms up, up and it's creepy as hell, and he's backlit. Um, and then I think it, uh, somebody, whoever wakes up from that, so the, the final twist at the end is, is Lisa Blunt's character comes out of the church, and she's the one that emerges as either she's the anti-god or she's killed him. Right. Or he's arrived. Um, so the future, I don't know that this is truly headcanon. I think this is just maybe my own interpretation of it, but it just seems like um, the future is inevitable in this film. Right. It's either this is going to happen. It's just how it's going to happen. Right. Yeah, uh, which is, which is, that's my favorite kind of time travel story. I love it. Like, and spoiler, if, if you... If anybody listening hasn't watched 12 Monkeys, skip ahead now. I don't want to spoil this movie. For, I fucking love 12 Monkeys. No one should have that movie spoiled. Everyone should be able to enjoy the the grandeur that is 12 Monkeys. But uh but I love I I I think that's one of the best examples and I love I love how they do that in 12 Monkeys that the future is just set and you can't change it and any attempt to do so is just how is is how things happened and is is what yeah is how the future came to be you know yeah i think when you run into stories like this and you talk about things like the multiverse you're actually talking about two different basic two two basically two different types of of storytelling one of them is sort of linear time travel on one timeline so you get the back to the future thing where if you go to the future you go to the past and change something it affects the future um and there's only one timeline that you affect and then there's this other stuff. Um, you mentioned Star Trek earlier. Star Trek actually was, was, for me, the first time that I really got my head around what a multiverse was like. And mm-hmm. I'd read comics, but I, the cosmic stuff, and the, well, I really wasn't, I was too young to get my head around that kind of stuff at the time, and I didn't really read it. Um, and, and so my concept of, of things like time travel and going back in time were basically informed by Back to the Future. And, right. And, and, and films like this, actually, if we're talking about this inevitable future and all you're really doing is changing events in the past to get you to the same place, uh, well, that's that's a whole other thing. When you start talking about the multiverse, you can actually go back to the 2009 reboot of Star Trek and see that point where Nero comes back from from his future to try to catch Spock. And in coming out, he takes out, um, gosh, what was the, what was the, George Kirk's, Starship, I can't remember the name of it now, mm-hmm. but um, that creates an alternate timeline in the Star Trek universe. Right. And, yeah. Uh, you have this possibility of an alternate universe while all the other stuff actually happens. So it's one of those first films, I think, that went back and rebooted something without pissing all over what came before it. Right. Because you could actually look at the Abrams Star Trek movies and think, well, this is just a separate universe and everything else happened. It doesn't, it doesn't change anything right. in the other universes. All that stuff still happens. This is all brand new, and they can do whatever they want. I walked out of the theater that night thinking, "Holy crap, he can do whatever he wants now." Yeah, yeah. And then, absolutely. He brought, then he brought back Khan in the second movie. Was like, Come on, <laughs> right? You're like, why? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they, they, they can't all be zingers, but right. Well, and I, I remember when that movie came out, and everybody, and and like the movie studio was like, "Oh, shh, who's Benedict Cumberbatch is in this movie? Nobody, everybody, be quiet. It's a secret." And everybody was like, "We we know it's Khan, like." We, everybody knows it's not a secret. Everyone is aware of what this movie is, you know. <laughs> yeah, and the the reveal when he finally says his name in the film is just the most scenery chewing, 
uh, he has this like really long, uh, just it's almost like Bill Nye as uh, as as Davy Jones. He like twitches his face a little bit, and it's just it's just so much. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Right. Anyway. Oh man. Right, well, we're, t- we're talking about movies in general and Kroger and Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness, yeah, yeah. Well, and I want to, and and so there's one part where one of the homeless people come up, and and I don't know why she like has the styrofoam cup, right? And it's just like squirming and crawling, and it, and just in my head, I'm like sitting there watching the movie to myself, and I was like, the best part of waking up <laughs> is maggots in your cup. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I still yeah, like the, uh... in a weird way. Yeah, there's a like, little... like I noticed, like the earthworms on the window. Yeah. Oh, and um, Carpenter using this goes along with like some camera tricks, right? Like um, green ooze, like shooting at the ceiling. Obviously, was like a camera flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that, like, there was a cool shot of like some earthworms that looked like they were crawling up. Up, yeah. The window. The window. That was obviously that was that was done backwards, which made it trippy and and like weird. You know, I don't know, like. Uh, the insects were cool, I guess. Like it was. Yeah. I found some other scarier things in the pockets of my children. I would say. <laughs> you know, like it was. It was okay. Well, and you and you have to wonder to get that shot. Like, did they just take big like clods of earth, like full of worms, and just like, just like chuck it at the window and like, okay, roll camera, roll camera before it all wait, slides wait. down. <laughs> yeah, but but I guess my understanding of it is they they used um, at one point they used mercury uh, in. Oh. Yeah. In, in for the for the like the sort of the liquid mirror effect, okay. yeah, 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 um, like mercury and somebody wearing a glove. Um, wow, to sort of have that effect happen, and uh, thought that was really clever. And uh, of course, there's a lot of like superimposing or plates or you know picture in picture kind of stuff. Uh, uh-huh. The the little mirror with, where she sticks her fingers in and um, things like that. <laughs> I actually, I'm burying the lead here. Several years ago, I waited. I wrote this. Um, I waited too long to talk talk about this. Um, I wrote this piece for a local publication that is defunct now, and it's. I revisited Prince of Darkness, and I talked about what it was like going back to it after something like twenty five years. I hadn't watched it. Okay. And I remembered it just being this incredibly horrifying, the scariest movie I've ever seen. Um, I, I something about my dad brought bringing it home from the video store when I was 13. Um, and I don't want to read the whole thing to you. It's there's some stuff in here where I'm basically talking about growing up in a, well, oh, just growing up in the Midwest and, yeah. and having that, you know, it's so easy to find, you know, fire and brimstone religious teachings in the Midwest. Yeah. And even if I didn't grow up in a fire and brimstone religious household, um, occasionally we would go to church if my grandma wanted us to go to church with her on Mother's Day or something. We'd, all right, let's go. And we'd right. go and we'd get yelled at for an hour and a half <laughs> and being told we're going to hell. And we're talking like Southern Baptist stuff. Right. Where, you know, you don't go to confessional and privately talk to a priest. Um, no, no, you get your ass out of the pew and you walk up to the altar and you get on your knees and you confess your sins in front of God and everybody and the preacher will, you know, lay hands on you and Right. all of you and yada yada and people up there just like sobbing and i realize now there may be people in your audience who have this sort of um practice that they do and that's fine you can do what you want it's america's free country i can also talk about it right <laughs> um, and what i what i 
take away from that, though, even though I didn't really have this strong religious upbringing, was that you couldn't get away from some of these lessons and some of these stories. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't get away from this belief that, that there is an all-powerful evil out there that is going to get you if you don't protect yourself, if you yeah. don't you know, go to church and do what you need to do. And so stories about Satan and anything demonic scared the piss out of me for years yeah and still do they still there's still something sort of sort of primal in me that that taps into that even though i'm not a particularly religious person you want to throw the exorcist at me or um anything like um the conjuring movies uh-huh. uh, anything anything dealing with demonic possession just i'll still watch them i still watch them i love them and they're, they're well-made movies and all that but it scares the piss out of me and i think that's part of the fun why right. why did, People watch horror movies. It's not, but being scared is not a particularly pleasant feeling. But people enjoy it as as this sort of harmless, fun sort of things. Why people go to scary movies? Right. Uh, I think. Um, <laughs> so it's like bungee jumping. You know, you jump off and you're like, "Holy shit, I'm gonna die!" And then you're like, "Oh no, I I, I didn't die." Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I bounced back. Um, so in in writing about this again, I, I had to reflect on you know where I was then, where I am now, what still works at me. I, 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 I'll read a little excerpt here. Um, it had a lot to do with, with uh, here, here it is. That, e that uneasy foothold in Christian belief makes me susceptible to films like Prince of Darkness, a film about a secret order of priests who have guarded a mysterious cylinder of green swirling liquid for 2,000 years. It's the essence of the anti-god. Um, the film has everything, demonic possession, deep voices, rotting flesh, self-mutilation, impaling, etc. There's even that one guy that like dissolves into a pile of bugs. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, I, and, and right, he's like, he's like, I have a message for you yeah. and you're not going to like, like it. it. <laughs> you're not going to like it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I think. What if they didn't make that guy like dissolve into bugs? Like his only purpose was to like give that message, and then it was like, then what does he do? And then he like, just, he just stands, like, there. <laughs> he stands there. Awkwardly. You're not gonna like it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even say anything. He he just falls apart into a pile of bugs after he yeah. does the thing. And no, I think Carpenter point... wanted it like that. I think he he didn't want any like weird Bible verses or like. Or, you know, like, he didn't want anything, like, like recognizable to, like, a religious audience. That's why, like, like during, like, those weird computer things, you see, like, lines that the, that the, the devil is, is saying, like, on the computer. The devil's, like, AOL instant messaging, like, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, like, like, the god plutonium will not help you. Right. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's, the, the devil can type and type really fast and not even be looking. Like, right. <laughs> Keep in yeah. mind, he's only typing the same thing over and over again. But still, that's error-free. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Which, well, and I think, like, going to the, uh, like, not your typical religious imagery was one of my favorite moments is, like, when that, when Kelly, the woman who ends up birthing the Antichrist, she, like, bumps her arm and she's got that bruise that's getting worse, right? And then they look at it and it's obviously, like, a crucifix. Like, there's a cross, there's obviously a pattern on her arm and she's just like, Oh, I think it's just a bruise. I'm gonna go lay down, and I'm like, no, there's a that's uh, there's obviously yeah. a symbol on your arm. That's the new Macintosh symbol, right? That I like <laughs> right, yeah. Guy. 
But I, I, I didn't, I didn't know this until I read about it afterwards. I guess that's the logo for the band Blue Oyster Cult. Was the logo they used? Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's like a, it's like an upside down cross with like kind of a question mark on the bottom. It's like a weird stylized cross. I guess it's. I didn't know this. I guess it's the Blue Oyster Cult symbol. Wow. But, if only we got Blue Oyster Cult symbols every time we bumped into something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I got a Blue Oyster Cult is symbol. Don't Fear the Reaper. Is that the, is don't, that yeah, the big song? Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right, well, Brent, I know you got to get go and get your kids to bed. Um, but so, yeah. w- did you guys want to touch on anything else before we go around and do headcans? I hate, I feel like we. I could talk about this movie, uh, so, 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 so for quite a bit longer, but we had to we got it, we had to do grocery tips. So sure, sure. I just think <laughs> I, know, I, think it's a, uh, I think it's a fun movie. I don't think it's anywhere near Carpenter's top tier. It's yeah. You know, if you look at Ebert's review, it's bang on. Yeah, I agree. It's a two star. Um, you know, he's maybe a little harder on it than he needs to be because he always seemed to be really hard on stuff that was not supposed to be that great. Right. Uh, yeah. But you know, as as a cult film aficionado and as a carpenter guy myself um i I think i mentioned this during the the episode we did about the thing i don't know that you'll find a better run of movies from 1978 to 1988 that john carpenter put out which is bang 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 like halloween the thing the fog big trouble little china's in there and it was just like i'm missing some there are brilliant movies in that in that run and if you put if you take ten years out of anybody else's career, um, the, the, there may be like two other directors that had a stronger ten year run, uh, and I'm all, I'm including people like Hitchcock. Yeah. And, and well, because yeah, well, I think he had like global. Escape from New York and They Live, and um, well, maybe Christine is in there. Yeah, like so many. Yeah, movies. Christine's in there. Yeah. Um, I I just don't think you find a better run. Definitely not within horror or science fiction mm-hmm. um, you you're gonna come up somebody will come up with something <laughs> but for me it's just been a struggle i've got a buddy that we, we talk about this every so often and it's just i i, I don't know who it would be uh, can i think start narrowing it down like all right what what other american filmmaker has made that many great and, and influential films even today yeah um I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't think of it. It's just a really strong run, and Prince of Darkness is toward the end. Right. Um, I think this came before They Live. Yeah, um, I think yeah, it was right around. Yeah, I think maybe They Live was the next year. Maybe I think it was like eighty-seven yeah. and eighty-eight. Yeah, but it's yeah. but it, but going back to talking about multiverses, like Halloween is so influential. They're they're still making these goddamn movies, and it's branched off into like four <laughs> different Halloween timelines. You've got you know you've got like. Uh, yeah, yeah, like four different ways you can watch the uh, the Halloween movies, but for better or worse. Yeah, uh, I don't, <laughs> well, I, I don't, like I said, I don't think it's it's Carpenter's strongest, um, but it definitely belongs in that that run of ten. That I think are run of ten. I, I think they're really yeah. Strong. I remember you talking about this run of ten yeah. years? That is yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, so do you guys do you guys have a an idea of your head cannon, or you want me to go ahead and go first? How go ahead. Mm. Uh, I got, I got. I think I have an idea. Okay, well you can go ahead then. Uh, so at the very end of the film, uh, Brian, mm-hmm. James Parker's character, wakes up from a nightmare, and it's it's one of those double nightmare yeah moments. Uh, so he wakes up and then he, there's another nightmare, ah, another nightmare, um, and he gets out of bed and he walks over to this 
long, uh, this long mirror on the door and he sticks his hand out. And as he's, this is also in the trailer, he's reaching out and there's this shot. I believe the last shot of the film is from the side and you see his hand get closer and closer to the mirror, but not touch it. Mm -hmm. Um, he cuts to black before he cut, he cuts to black before we touch the mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually got two different ways this goes in my head. Um, the first way is he reaches out and just puts five fingerprints on his mirror and then nothing happens and <laughs> goes about his day. Um, but the, the second one I think is maybe more interesting is he actually um, has sort of a, either a mercury moment where he steps through the mirror mm-hmm. um, and, and, or she reaches out and pulls him into it. Yeah. Uh, so there's and there's a jump scare in the trailer for it where the title I want to say the title of the film busts through the mirror at you. Okay. It's really corny, <laughs> uh, but I like the idea that that this mirror is sort of the doorway to the to the rest of this story. Right. Um, I don't know if, that, if that's going to hold up or whatever. Uh, I, I going back to what we said earlier about the uh, the inevitability of the events of this story in the future and beaming messages back. Um, I don't know that that, that particularly is, is maybe that useful, mm-hmm. but um, the, the whole mirror thing, if it's going to be an inevitable future, does he go through the mirror to get to that? Or does somebody pull him into the mirror to get to that? Or does she go through the mirror and become the embodiment of this? Because she's the one that walks out of the church at the end. Mm-hmm. I haven't put it all together yet. Uh, maybe this is just fingerprints on the on the glass. <laughs> he just like draws like a smeared smiley face with his hand <laughs> grease. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. And why not? Well, Brent, do you want to go or you want me to go first? I want to go. Okay, go ahead. Mine kind of uh, it's not it's kind of in the same vein as John, but but silly. But um, okay, I thought it, it would be a pre it would be it, it would be a good prequel to Inception. So like Brian goes on the offensive, right, uh, to rescue his girlfriend, and he goes into Satan's dream, right, and he gets Satan to reveal his D- Disney Plus password okay. and change his algorithm to suggest only the Mighty Ducks movies. <laughs> to to like make him a better person or like a happier person. Yes. Uh, yeah, man. It like totally changes the it alters the course of time. Right. I mean, there's that whole point between the '80s. And then 2019, where Disney Plus didn't exist. Right. Mm. But, but Satan is timeless, right? Right. Like, the, yeah, the anti-god would have access to it, yeah. In the mirror. Absolutely. And that's a blip. We're talking like 40 years. That's just a blip in, in you know, somebody, that, a creature's been around for thousands of years. Yeah. And he only has access to the Mighty Ducks movies with his Disney Plus account. Like, that would pay a toll on a, a, any prince, yeah. whether it be darkness or of Or life. otherwise, yeah. Yeah, darkness. I wonder if, if you could take the Mighty Ducks sequels, not not the original, the OG with Emilio Estevez, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking taking one of the sequels and just having him be forced to watch like three or something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> All right, Cor, what are you thinking? Nice. All right. Well, uh, my my headcanon takes place two thousand years before the events of this movie, and it's so it's if Jesus Christ was either an alien or or aware that this that this thing this satan in a zucchini blender was an alien um you know so if jesus was an alien trying to warn us about the anti-god what are the odds that he looked like a human 
you know, so now I'm picturing that Jesus was really like a, a xenomorph looking motherfucker. So he's like, so he's going around trying to preach the gospel and he's just like shrieking like an alien. His tentacles are flopping all around. Um, you know, he's healing people with his ET touch. Right. So, uh, you know, and he's just going around like, you know, ack, 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 trying to preach the gospel. And, uh, so that's, that's just my head cannon is that alien Jesus would not be, uh, a human looking. Not only is he not a white man, he's not a man at all. If he's an alien. Okay. So, okay. That's so my like head cannon. Like a kind of thing or a, or like a xenomorph, a xenomorph Jesus. I wonder, I wonder about that. <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to imagine Jesus as a xenomorph. Next week, we'll be discussing 2019's Midsummer or Midsummer. I'm still, honestly, I'm still not sure exactly how you're supposed to pronounce that. But as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Head Cannon, on Instagram at Head Cannon Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, or you can follow the subreddit r slash horror movie pod so <laughs> also what well, I, th- I think brent had to dip he had to put his kids to bed um but is there john do you have anything you want to talk about or plug or or leave no, I'm people good. With? i feel like now that we've done the first two i need to commit to doing in the mouth of madness with you at some point um which means i've got to watch that thing again yeah <laughs> well and that's this is my first time watching i don't think I'd, I'd seen this movie before and i definitely haven't seen in the mouth of madness yeah so i'm i'm game if you if you want to complete the trilogy um i've only seen it maybe once okay um, and it's got uh sam neill i believe is in it oh okay and um german actor whose name is eluding me he was in dust boot um jürgen something it's googleable (laughs) right Uh, and it's it's fun it's it's it can be a little confusing it can be a little um it's pretty out there. Um, okay. And it's Latter-day Carpenter, so you're looking at stuff that's not as, as maybe not as straightforward as some of the earlier stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's He's starting to break free of realities and and do things in the mind, and um, it's it's pretty wild. I need to look at it again, obviously. Right. So. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, yeah, we can do that to finish out the trilogy. Um, Sounds good. Cool. Well, thank you again, John, for being a guest. Always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, appreciate you sharing this movie. This is, you know, I I love Carpenter and this is one I hadn't seen. So, uh, and everybody, thank you for listening. This has been Headcanon.